0: This is the Rose and Shine podcast featuring the Swedish sisters Josephine Roos and Victoria Roos Olsen. Based in Stockholm and New York, we share experiences from our international lives and careers.
1: Good evening. This is Victoria, just back in Stockholm. Good evening. And this is Josephine from
0: Lindalen. <laughs>
1: How are you doing? Great. So thank you everyone for listening. This episode is a special about being a working mom and also about being pregnant at work. And it fits perfectly as you, Josephine, is just do any day now.
0: Any day, yes. I am as big as my Pilates ball and (laughs) (laughs) I am... uh, very excited about this baby wondering how much overdue or not that it will be Mm -hmm. and yeah i just got to hear that the 10th of april is the most common day to be born in sweden ever most people have the birthday the 10th of april so um who knows yeah so the
1: 11th is the release date for this special episode and yeah, let's just hope that
0: you have a baby by then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, so that's um, that's very exciting. And um, yeah, so in this episode, I was actually very, it's a bit special because I was very lucky. Um, yes. Two weekends ago, I had uh, a number of my best friends visiting our, our winter, summer recreational house where I'm staying at the moment. And we mm-hmm. had a wonderful girls weekend and i decided to lure two of my amazing friends that also have big bellies right now yeah They're just one month uh, after me both of them in their pregnancies to join me for the episode and talk a little bit about their how they have experienced being pregnant at work and the different uh, conditions that they are are facing
1: yeah because between the three of you i mean Eddie in London, Vivek in Sweden, and you've been pregnant in Myanmar and in Colombia just now. So it's really a, quite an interesting mix, actually, to compare a little
0: bit. Exactly. We all have quite different experiences. We're all in also in multicultural relationships. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so Adonav um, my my good friend in London, works as a financial broker. And my dear friend, Vivika Jyberg, here in Sweden, um, is a doctor that works and practicing here in Sweden. And, uh, of course, have loads of knowledge in regards to um, health and, and maternity and paternity and parental leave, as we're talking about.
1: And she's also like our special uh, television star. Absolutely.
0: As well. We're very proud of her. So yeah. she's frequently visiting <laughs> television and yeah. telling the world how they can be healthier. So very inspiring to have both of them there. Yeah. But before we get into the interview,
1: because you've been interviewing them and we'll take pieces and bits and and, and talk about it and revisit them. But you've decided now to give birth here in Sweden and not in Colombia. Yeah. And why is that?
0: Well, so I, was, I had a very set mind that I was going to give birth in Colombia. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember you stating this very clearly to <laughs> everyone. Yeah. yeah. And, and really it was because of convenience reason. You know, I wanted to be able to work as long as possible. I wanted to be able to have support in terms of a nanny as long as possible yeah. and, and so on. But I quite quickly realized that while the care in the private hospitals in Bogota, are, is excellent. There was a very, very different way uh, of thinking around giving birth and, and, and the treatment of the woman mm. between Sweden and, uh, and Colombia. Yeah. So I would say in Colombia, it's a little bit more of the American system, yeah. which in the, the positive sense of that is that you have a doctor that follows you throughout the whole pregnancy. Which seems really uh, nice. And then you go and give birth with that doctor, which yeah. is fantastic because it's a, you feel a lot safer in many ways, I think, if you know the person and you know what it's going to be like. Mm-hmm. But it's then also a care that it's very much driven by the doctor. And in Sweden, the difference would be that we have, we have midwives here that yeah. are, unless anything goes wrong, yeah. <laughs> you have a doctor coming into yeah. the room. But otherwise, it's all driven by midwives and you will not know who you're going to get. And you'll probably have, you know, three different shifts if you have a long birth. Yeah. Um, like some no. of us, I think I had the same shift, like coming back again. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah. when it's a little bit more on the doctor's timetable, there's loads more cesareans, like in Colombia. Mm-hmm. And, and there's. Um, shorter births then but it's more driven by the doctor I would say than by the woman so it's it's quite different yeah so i was then i decided i wanted to have hopefully have a bit more of a of a natural birth so to say and also have less risk of of having a cesarean the statistics yeah. are very different if you've had a cesarean before it's about 50/50 in Colombia that you can succeed with a with a normal birth whereas in Sweden it's about 80/50%. So yeah. um so it's a bit different. Didn't uh, military service also play a part in your decision? So yes, so there were a number of more things which also was that this is in the end I didn't do complete research around it, but the idea is that if your child is born in Colombia there there's a likelihood that you now going to end up with a with a Colombian citizenship and and then if you have a boy then it could be a compulsory military service. Yeah. This is maybe things that you could have got out of, you know, but, but we didn't really want to risk that. We didn't really want to so. risk that. So No, exactly.
1: Well, I'm super excited that you're here. We've been talking about this before. And, you know, I'm just so excited <laughs> for this little baby to arrive. <laughs> Yay.
0: April baby. Yeah. We're very, very yeah. excited now. And, you know, I'm jumping up and down on my Pilates bowl and do squats and eating spicy food and uh, and yeah, and as I told you, I even had the membrane sweep today, yeah, I- <laughs> so i
1: I'm just waiting, but okay, so let's let's come back to that and let's come back to our own pregnancies. shall we get into uh, to the interview a little bit? Absolutely,
0: so let's listen to the story of my friend Eddie, who when she got pregnant, realized that the maternity policy was about six weeks of of maternity in her company in London.
1: How
4: interesting. Before I got pregnant, I actually was pretty clueless about what the pregnancy maternity pay or anything like that, because it hadn't affected me before, so I hadn't thought about it. Yeah. But once I read up on it, I realized that in the UK, the statutory, the minimum that everyone should receive is six weeks, 90% of your average earnings. That's (laughs) not a lot in uh, London. Six weeks is not (laughs) a lot. And I realized that this desperately needed to change. So I went about talking to everyone that I could, firstly, to make sure that this was actually the policy, because I thought it was a... A funny joke at first but this is the UK and this is you know after the US this is the most capitalist society in the world Mm. and maternity isn't really considered you don't really have it like in Sweden where you think that you're gonna continue working afterwards it's very much accepted that you stop working after you have your first child or your second child and then maybe you return to work when you're finished having children
0: So the expectation of your companies and and your colleagues would basically be that you would quit now. It was basically that
4: now that you are married and you're having a baby, you're pretty much done with your career, which is not at all how I saw my personal trajectory going.
0: So having having realized that and having seen the, the six weeks policy, what? What happened at that point? (laughs) How did uh,
4: pregnant Eddie uh, react or what? Pregnant Eddie was quite filled with hormones. (laughs) No, but I was actually quite incensed and I consider myself to be my own type of feminist. And I thought to myself, well, I'm in a lucky position that I am married and I can actually, you know, take those six weeks if it had been necessary. But I thought to myself. I work in a company where 90% of the people are male and 10% are female, and it is supposed to be setting an example to the industry about how you should go about attracting more women into these powerful positions. So I went about speaking first to my immediate manager, and then when I didn't get the response that I craved, I went about going above his head and speaking to the CEOs of the company HR, everyone that I basically could speak to about this problem that they didn't even see as a problem. Since it hadn't affected them, which I can also understand, Mm. they hadn't really given it much importance or thought when they did the company Credo. So to them, it was initially a bit of an eye opener, I think. Mm. And then eventually it became a bit of a, a nuisance because they kind of realized that something needed to change, but it wasn't that straightforward for them to change it. And what I, what I reacted upon, and I know the
0: girl group, and I think what we all felt was so incredibly brave and, and cool of you, is the fact that it can be very hard to take that fight when you're, when you're there, when you're actually pregnant, because then um, you're maybe, you're very vulnerable in a sense, and it almost seems selfish. It's clearly not selfish, yeah. <laughs> but it's, you're, you're fighting for something that is happening right now for you.
4: How How is that feeling? So when I first realized this, I was like, if I don't take this fight, who will, Mm. you know, there is no one else that was willing to put their necks out to get things changed. And you are growing a life inside of you. You are coming to terms with all these new changes in your life. And at the same time, you have to go and speak to your superiors about changing a policy Mm. and taking that, you have to have a lot of resilience. And you have to be able to take a lot of no's and a lot of door slamming in your face and be considered to be very annoying and sometimes greedy and a pushy woman. And you don't have to be afraid of being liked by people because they no one likes someone that is going to be in your face about something that doesn't affect you really, you know. So that was very tough, to be honest with you. Mm. It wasn't... The most sunshiny period of my life. (laughs) No, and incredibly brave,
0: I have to say. But so what happened? What was the end result? What (laughs) what did you
4: manage to, because it was really you, what did you manage to push through? So thank you, first of all, that's very sweet. Um, Finally, I managed to convince them that the industry standard in which we want to belong was six months fully paid maternity leave which actually led to women wanting to come back and work because they felt appreciated by their companies and they felt that their work was valued. So I basically had a presentation to pretty much everyone I could find, even if it was an elevator pitch. (laughs) And after all of this, I received no feedback for a while. And I was like, okay, well, do you know what? I can leave with my head held high. I really tried my best. Um, But then out of the blue, they came back to me with an email saying listen, we've heard you and we're going to offer this. And I expected being a broker that if I wanted six months, I'd get three months (laughs) and, Mm -hmm. you know, you'd meet somewhere in the middle. But here I really have to give my company a lot of credo because they came back and haven't really thought about it and then understood that actually we do want to have more women in the industry, we do want to keep them. And they offered six months fully paid and then you can take up to a year the statutory for the remainder which is really really good and impressive wow that's that's
0: incredible that's really really cool um I thought maybe maybe I introduce Vivica first but then I also want to hear maybe what your tips would be for women who are in similar positions that maybe need to take the fight because I picked up a few things that you said which is you have to be prepared to not be liked maybe for a while. I mean, that's kind of pushy if you're anyways hormonal. And, and, you know, and me and Victoria and another podcast have also talked about, though, how she managed to actually, maybe with her pregnancy hormones, uh, negotiate a race and and a better position while on on maternity leave. So you can do it. But let's have a a thought about that. Wow, that's just so interesting to hear. And I think
1: it is just too so brave taking on all of that yeah really yeah (laughs) and it's just so interesting you know her reflection on like who has to stand and, and fight up for this and stand up for this and it's obviously it's in the interest of everyone who is pregnant and and then for her obviously there were no real role models but it makes me think that The ones that are role models and have done this before, they really need to take the responsibility to push it to the next step as well. So if you are a female leader and have done this, what can you do to facilitate for the next generations?
0: Yeah. And, um, you know, I've actually experienced that a little bit and not in my current position, but with my first pregnancy, Um, where I was surprised maybe thinking I would be more supported um, by some leaders you know in the organization so yes I think you you need to take the fight when you're younger when you're older as well because this is an issue that concerns all of us
1: yeah women in general in the workplace and men too yeah (laughs) okay so that's super interesting and so I'm now looking forward to hear what Vivica has to say
0: yeah let's move straight into Vivica's story I want to speak to Vivica, my dear friend Vivica, who is based in Sweden, and you're also a doctor, so you're also seeing the healthcare from the inside. And I want to hear a little bit about what's the the structure in in Sweden, and and what kind of support do you get in Sweden? And also, you've had a bit of a challenging, you can talk about it yourself, but a bit of challenging pregnancy, and what kind of support do you get then in Sweden, and how has that worked out? For you, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of questions just because of the mic challenge.
2: It's good. Yeah. No, I think Sweden. I mean, it's it's completely different to I would say most countries. The system to take care of a becoming mother and a new mother is very developed compared to other countries. So in my case, I had severe vomiting during my both my pregnancies. And then I'm entitled to sick leave, so I don't have to work full time. And also my employer is obliged to adapt my working situation so I can work, but not at the same pace as before. And in my case, no one has, has questioned that. Everyone has been very, very supportive and I felt liked and everything has been really good. But from... From working on the other side as a doctor dealing with um, mothers who are not that well i know that all workplaces doesn't provide the support that they should even though there are regulations that control that so there's still some things to do because people are prejudiced and don't see pregnancy as a disease which is not but you can still be like your functional so, level yeah. can be really 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 low but mm. in general i mean it's been great and for me personally no one has questions that that um, oh you can't work this much so that's bad of you it's the opposite oh are you working this much are you sure you want to work 50 percent which is what I do now but I really want to because I like my workplace and I feel like there's something else I can do besides being pregnant I mean I'm I'm more than that as a person Mm. so it makes everything easier yeah Um, but you're entitled to sick leave during your pregnancy and then you get um, parental leave And I say that, I don't say maternity leave, because in Sweden it is parental leave. Mm. And that's 480 days that you get. Not the same amount of money. (laughs) Me
0: and Eddie are sitting here like, oh. And we're from Sweden. We should have, you know.
2: (laughs) I mean, that's great. I, I mean, I have nothing to complain about that. But I think what is good that here the debate about like the mother and the father's role is not only the mother. Three months out of those 480 days are only for the father. Those cannot be used by the mother. So both are encouraged. And I think that also is really important on how you see parentally, because now in the workplace, both the mother and the father will be away when they have a child. And that's really good for how you plan. And it's not only a woman's issue, because if you're a becoming father, it's also expected of you to go away. Mm-hmm. And I think there's been a big cultural difference when I talk to older people and people my age now, because we expect the dads to be home and Sure, it's three months, but amongst my friends, if you're home less than six months, it's not considered a real parental leave. It was just like holiday. a <laughs> holiday, yeah. Uh, so mm. it's definitely social pressure as well as structures to, to like be a parent at the first very fragile uh, time, mm. uh, and you can use those four hundred eighty days from pregnancy week uh, thirty-two because it's also you know that you can be very heavy and much more tired in the end of pregnancy. So you can choose yourself how you plan and use those days. Mm. So I would say it's, it's, it's good and it's very supportive from all aspects in my case. But
0: from the inside, I know it's not always the case from employers, etc. No, exactly. And and I think But what the debate has been though a lot in Sweden is the fact that the men are actually, because they are having to take some of that time, and are encouraged to take more of that time, you get a more equal workplace because you can then hire women and men. And there's a threat of both, of a threat I'm saying with my, <laughs> with my fingers, uh, you know, in quotation mark. but because you will, both of them will go away and have the benefit of being a parent. And you managed to
4: negotiate two weeks for men <laughs> in your company. <laughs> the men already got two weeks, but okay. it wasn't fully paid. So they actually got two weeks fully paid. And this obviously does not encourage an equal workplace or an equal society. Men in the UK, even if they do take those two weeks, they might lose their like position in the grease pool or in their career or etc. So they're not actually that keen to take it. So taking care of the baby, especially the first time, is considered primarily the woman's job. It is a very clear division of labor. Which leads to repercussions later on in society in how schooling works, how daycare, everything works because men are not that aware of this issue. It does not become an issue for both genders. It becomes an issue for the woman who gets to take all of the responsibility, the career hit, the pension hit, etc. So as a woman, you actually have to negotiate for yourself with your husband what your situation is going to be like. And I think it's sad for the guys as well because they don't get to bond with their children and they get to have the guilt of like not furthering their career if they take more time off. And other, uh, their peers look at them a bit funny, (laughs) like why would you take so much time off for your child? I mean, can't you afford to take care of your wife financially Mm. to do that for you? So it Mm. becomes a completely different social issue. So if you were to make it like in Sweden, that is obligatory to take some time off, that would take the pressure and the choice out of men's hands. And, you know, that would genuinely have such an impact because even if you were to make it voluntary, people wouldn't really take it because they would be afraid that they would lose out on career opportunities.
2: I mean, you're not, uh, like, forced to take the parental leave in Sweden. It's I not, know. It's not uh, obligatory. But, oh, it's really but well. No, it's not. It's just that if the father don't use it, the family cannot use it. It's still optional. You oh. as a woman or a man don't have to use those days. I mean, it's, a, okay. it's an offer from the state that you can do. And I know that um, some people choose to stay home all the time or... It's, it's some women I know has been home for three months and then gone back to their uh, workplace. Uh, and uh, some men take more than the women. But, I mean, if you look at the statistics, men take much less than the women still. It's still not equal, even though we have a system in place. But I think that's more social values that also come into place, that it's not enough that you have the structures. You have to have the peer pressure and the expectations. And I think yeah. the discussions, like a little bit what you say, that... It's not like it's something negative to be on parental leave anymore, it's more, there's also a discussion about that the father has the right to be with their child and they should also uh, be uh, close to them and be a parent and get to develop those skills as something good. And I think that is the the solution.
4: Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.
2: Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness.
0: But that just reminded me also, though, of an article I saw in Sweden maybe a few years ago. It was someone famous. It was like a Sunday Express and Sunday or, or whatever newsletter. And um, it was a woman who said, yeah, my husband wants to have a second or a third child. And I said, yes, if it gives me a million Swedish crowns, so $150,000 or so, because that's what it's going to cost me. Even in Sweden, she had calculated because of lost opportunities, mm-hmm. of lost pension savings and, and so on. So that's uh, super interesting. A friend of mine in the US, I found interesting. They have this weekly or monthly maybe meeting where they meet with the women in their company. And one of the things that they have decided to do there was to have a conversation just around parental leave probably maternity leave, to be honest. But what they had started to do then was that a lot of women who were not pregnant started to together be developing these these policies for maternity leave. So they basically took up a, a suggestion, something similar to what you did, but doing it earlier when they were not on maternity Well, some were maybe on maternity leave, but they brought it up as a group of women to present it and say, this is what we should have within our company. And I just thought that was a really nice and proactive examples. So I just wonder if you guys also have any thoughts, like what about other women like us in many international, maybe in multicultural relationships, like we, the three of us, are in. Any thoughts on how to tackle this issue when you are at the workplace, before you're pregnant, after you're pregnant, what should your bosses do?
4: Any thoughts, any... Ideas and putting you guys in the spot. I think you mean how to foster those networks within the company so that you can, as a group of women, go and you know there there is power in numbers. In my industry, there are not that many women. In fact, there are very little women. And then the hindrance to that kind of cohesion is that everyone works in different departments pretty much, so you don't really get to see each other or spend a lot of time or build that kind of, the time I see other women is in the bathroom, (laughs) you know, and because we tend to do different areas, no one, and this isn't a a thing that people don't really talk a, a lot about, but no one will stick their neck out very much in these kind of situations, even if it actually benefits them in the end, it is not seen as their issue, which I can kind of, a minuscule part of me can kind of understand because before I was pregnant, I didn't think along these lines. There are other, you know, pressing issues to deal with at work. But how to do that is that you need to have a passionate person that is a little bit ahead of the curve and that sets up a meeting with everyone. And I don't necessarily think just women. I think it is so important that the men also understand what is going on because when it becomes one of these female-only networks at work, and this is going to sound really bad, but you don't get taken very seriously and the emails that you do send around, etc., end up in people's trash. Mm. So in my line of work, the only like, thing that you can actually do is make sure that more women are hired so that you have more voices coming together in the front office, not just in typical women positions, but where the actual money generating is being made. Because if you are a money generator for these type of companies, then they take you seriously. Whereas if you're not, if you do put your neck on the line, there's a line of people to replace you and take your job in what is seen as a very cushy job. So there's that element of fear there of losing your job, your income, etc. And there's that element that you actually never really see other women in that kind of scenario and the, the element of time. You don't really have the time to engage in building up that kind of network, which takes time.
0: And it's also a bit of a chicken and egg, because if you're going to hire more women to your industry, more women might want to have better deals for their <laughs> maternity leave, right? So it's uh, it's yeah. a little bit tricky. Do you have anything that you want to add, Vivica? I think, like first of all, to realize that this
2: is not something that is as it is. It can be changed. The situation that you have and the conditions you have doesn't have to be the way they are. For me, I shouldn't take them for granted. And for someone in another country, is look at other examples, use them. But also, this is about values. It's not nature law that this is how parental leave should be. It's about how we see pregnancy and how we value parenthood as a society. And those values are going to be in the rules that we have and the benefits that we have. I mean, I could wish for even more. I don't get 100% of my pay. It's capped. since when you get 80% uh, of your salary up to certain days and a little bit less the last of those 480. But I could ask for more. Why am I satisfied with this? This can be changed. And also, like, I mean, you're the expert in change work, Josephine, uh, but... Uh, you just have to group together and be an advocate and speak up like Eddie did because you can change, but change is never super easy, especially if it's, uh, it's big, but you will have much more women. And as you say, the chicken and the egg, if you push women out of the workforce, they're not going to be in there and then you're not going to be a change maker. So I think it's a little bit about like you being brave, but also realize this is values and this doesn't have to be this way
4: if I could just add one final thing. We don't always necessarily need the power of numbers. All you need to realize is the structures around you, as Viveka said, they've been built by someone and they can be changed. You just need to speak your own truth, your story, and go about it and be brave. And if it really matters to you and you don't do anything about it, you will regret it. You will think about it and it will become one of those things in life which you wish you would have done differently. You don't need to have a bunch of other people around you to push you to do something that you really genuinely care about. You can go about it yourself, and then people will follow. That's how Me Too started. That's how everything started. You tell your story, you speak your truth, and then it will ignite something in others. So they might not. you don't necessarily need to have all the numbers with you initially, but they will come afterwards. Mm. So just speak your truth, be brave, and if it's something that you think that you're going to regret going forward and you can't stop thinking about do it it is always
0: worth it super inspiring and um, i'll invite you back to the podcast <laughs> and have more conversations but thank you so much
1: that's so interesting to hear and it really proves how different i mean now we're only looking at the uk yeah. and sweden but how different it can be and also i guess different in different industries yeah for sure that also plays <laughs> yeah mm. wow And I I used to feel now how lucky I was that the four years we lived at home, we managed to get married and have (laughs) the two girls. And it was perfect timing. But so tell me just quickly, what about the UN? What about uh, Myanmar?
0: Yeah, so the UN have a a four-month maternity leave policy. Mm -hmm. And um, it's funny because when I first realized i was pregnant with the second one i was in the us and everyone was like that's fantastic four <laughs> months
3: and I, I always
0: had to say like i'm from sweden you know <laughs> so it's not fantastic <laughs> but it's okay and you can also have which i will do which is, uh, additional unpaid uh, leave to make it a little bit longer yeah and then in myanmar the situation, actually, they do have a policy, supposedly, if, if you are a Myanmar person working for, you know, a governmental organization, which I do think is six months. I'm not really sure, though, of the level of pay and, and, and how, mm-hmm. you know. But that's good, though. But it is it is a a good policy as far as I no but how to the extent which people can actually use it and get that support i i couldn't say at all i i doubt that that's very um well developed i was working for an american company i had worked less than a month uh, less than a, a year when i was pregnant so they were following the the laws of the us which meant that i had zero oh paid policy maternity leave which I managed to negotiate up to a month paid leave and then and then unpaid leave yeah so yeah so not very generous policies in in that way
1: (laughs) I definitely think this is the quest a question for the world to take on right because we do want to have working mothers in society I think it contributes to organizations and working life working atmosphere so definitely i hope uh, different countries can inspire each other and show that it actually can be made
0: yeah and it, it is what viveka said you know it's about what values do we want to have yeah what, what do we want to show yeah and, and uh, what can we be happy with um and you know we can always push this further and i, and I really believe in the idea of parental leave as opposed to um, maternity leave because that is definitely and for me of course it is
1: to actually connect with your child but i remember when my husband was uh, on parental leave or father's leave it was actually such a paradigm shift for him Mm. (laughs) and for us you know what it takes to stay at home with a little baby and it was just really great for our relationship that he discovered that and yeah That was a great thing. So I could really recommend anyone thinking and considering that to do that, not just on an extended summer vacation, but to take some months to properly be at home with your child on your own.
0: The dad should also know what to pack in the bag. And, yeah. and Because otherwise you are going to end up being the one who always needs to yeah. pack the bag. <laughs> On top of your other work, right? <laughs> exactly. All right. So having said
1: that, we wish you all a lovely day. Thank you for listening to this very special. Let's hope that we have an Instagram baby soon.
0: yes and uh, yeah and comment as well on instagram and let us know a little bit about your stories and
1: yeah we would love to hear i mean we have listeners from 70 different countries so please feel free to to comment and and let us know you find us on ruse and shine on instagram ciao bye